15, verse 11. My purpose for telling you these things, and what are these things? Abide in me, remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Abide, remain, remain, remain. Abide, abide, remain. Follow me, stick with me. I tell you these things. My purpose for telling you these things is so that the joy that I experience will fill your hearts with overflowing gladness. Amen. All right, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this time here this morning. What a journey. Um, You are a good God. We love this journey of faith that you have us on this morning. Um, So abide with us this morning. Be with us. We know that you're here with us. Uh, Be our root. Be our source. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. And amen. Okay. So part of what builds a culture of joy is seeing the miracle power of God work in and through lives. And uh, we've been inspired in this series. I've been inspired picking up our campers this week and just hearing those stories. I love testimonies of God's goodness, just working in people's lives. Um, But we've been inspired in this series and and, uh, pretty much through it, we've been kind of sharing the story about Baylor basketball, the 2021 NCAA winners who were playing all year in what they called a culture of joy uh, by Chris Bruce, you know, whose family uh, and the band Monumental Worship um, is loved and embraced by destiny. We love those guys in the midst of intense pain. He's talking about, man, this, this pain is, is it's kind of unbearable. It's here all the time. But I, I tell you what, I'm so full of joy. That comes in the next breath uh, from our friend Chris. And I, and I just keep mentioning it because I think when people are living out some tough stuff in a way that shows that they're connected to the root, uh, the source, that is Jesus, it should compel us. It should compel us to do the same. And so the Baylor team, when you play through a hard season and uh, give glory to God anyway, you, you know, you should get acknowledged for that. And, and I don't know Coach Scott Drew. I don't know any of the players. You know, I don't follow sports. Um, I, I just want to say thank you to them, though, uh, for showing us a big pivot that we can make in our lives. So look at this article that I found this week. We got it? Uh, yeah, look at this article. It says, Baylor's culture of joy leads to the happiest of finishes, okay? Um, and, and so I'm gonna keep on reading down. You, you can, the attached video, I wish I could show it this morning, I just don't have time, is a, is a joyous celebration. I love it. And here's the first few lines of the article. I, you probably can't see them up there on the this, this screen, but this is what it says down there below. It says, all season long, Baylor has embraced what it calls a culture of joy. And it's an idea that, as any old Baptist knows, isn't driven by circumstance. Happiness is conditional, but joy is deeper. It's, and, it's, and it says it's eternal. So this, this journalist is preaching the word of God right here. And I wonder, could this be said about us? Could, this, could it be said about Destiny Foursquare Church that we exhibit a culture of joy? Could it be said about your family? You know, that, that I'll tell you what, when, when we get around their family, when we're at their house, it's a culture of joy. And, and could it be said of you? When she walks in the room, when he walks in the room, whenever they're in the conversation, the joy quotient just goes up. And, and so, you know, we want uh, to end the day and this season just by describing and maybe, maybe even painting a picture, uh, a fuller picture of this journey that we've been on and what a culture of joy might be. 
And so if you're a scientist or a biologist or you love those things, um, you know about cultures, right? And you probably did this in high school. A culture in the biological sense is a place where you maintain the conditions on your notes. If you're taking notes, you maintain the conditions for suitable growth. And so whatever it is that you're trying to study or whatever it is that you're developing, there's a culture. And that culture in the lab sense, in the biological sciences, is a place where you're trying to maintain the conditions for suitable growth. So the temperature needs to be right, you know, the, the, the lighting maybe needs to be right, the, the conditions have to be maintained so that you can grow this culture that you're studying. And so I wanna ask the question today, the big question in the room is how do we maintain the conditions for the growth of joy? Uh, how do we set our eyes around this goal of saying, I wanna be a part of a culture of joy. So let me just recap really, really quickly um, what we've talked about so far. First of all, joy and happiness aren't always the same thing, right? Happiness may look like this group of balloons. You know, happy birthday, America, right? We're celebrating. And, and so if you're having a birthday party or an anniversary uh, celebration or a milestone moment, it's not unusual for people to bring balloons. And uh, balloons are about celebration in our culture, right? They're about parties, they're about everybody having a good time. And you know, they're about festivity, they're about happiness. And, uh, but happiness and joy, they're slightly different as we've been talking about, where happiness is an emotion or feeling that's based on the fruit of the outcome or the circumstance. Joy, if you will, is, is gratitude that's based on the root. And we've been talking a lot about the root of the vine. Right? He is divine, we are the branches. He is our source, and that, his name is Jesus. And so happiness is a little bit like helium in a balloon. Because you know, where joy is like a root that's in the ground, it's got a firm foundation, and that root is gonna produce a sense of happiness, but it's gonna be more powerful than just happiness because there's a foundation that's firm. Because what happens if we leave these balloons here uh, for a week, and we come back, right? Through the week, these, these things eventually, they're gonna start sagging. They're, you know, they're gonna go to the ground and most likely when we get here, if we come back next Sunday, they're gonna be laying over on the floor, right? Right? So, and happiness is like that. God is not anti-happiness and we're not anti, I'm not anti-happiness. We all should be leaning into joyful moments in life. Celebration is good. The kingdom of heaven is a party, but happiness isn't something that you can depend on. It ebbs and it flows based on conditions and based on the circumstances. Joy, we've talked about, is gratitude that flows from a root. It flows from a root. It flows from a source that's deeper than I. I've got a river of joy coming out of me. Woo! <laughs> and we didn't make this up. We, we looked at the word for joy in the Greek language, which is the language the scriptures were written in, and the, the, the root word, kara, means to be aware of grace. Therefore, as I'm aware of grace of God in my life, it produces a sense of gratitude, which results in a joy that is firm, a permanent and permeating joy in my life. And we looked at all the cognitives of that verb, kara, and we see them again in our text for today. And coming back to Paul's letter to the Philippians, which they call the book of joy, Philippians chapter four, verse four, says, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I'm gonna say it again, rejoice. So rejoice is karo, which comes from the root word kara, 
uh, which is the root word of joy that we've been studying. So now we're expressing joy and Paul is saying, here's the way that I want you to see this. I want you to build a culture of joy. And I want you to maintain the conditions that are suitable for this to stay around and for it to grow. And what I'm talking about is not just happiness that's based on a circumstance that, that makes us wanna shout and dance because of what's happening around us, but I'm talking about, you know, that, that, thing, that kind of happiness, it comes and goes. But I'm talking about rejoicing again and again and again and again. That's what I'm talking about. Remembering again that Paul was writing to the church in Philippi and a church that had shaped the gospel, you know, traveling through Macedonia, a, a, a pagan people with no Jewish background or culture, and they didn't know Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. They, they knew Zeus and other gods, you know, that of their upbringing. And now here comes this story of Jesus of Nazareth and of, of a death and a cross and a resurrection by the power of Almighty God. And so again, I, I say today, Christianity and the story of the gospel transcends cultures, it transcends religions, it transcends geographical areas. It's not even about, you know, Rapid City, South Dakota. Oh, you know, you grew up in America, therefore you must be a Christian. It's not, no, no. Uh, you know, Paul is bringing the story of God's grace into Macedonia. He's crossing over these cultural and religious lines. And guess what? The gospel still works. It does. And so it still finds its way into the hearts of the people. And a church is born there in Philippi. And it's the fruit of the labor of Paul's preaching and his life. And he loves this church. He, he had, he, he, his heart is for this church. Um, and so uh, we know from the story of Acts that in Philippi, God moved in power. But Paul also had some rough stretches in Philippi. You know, he was put in prison for his faith and beat up and locked down in jail because he was expressing the love of God. And, um, you know, even in, through miraculous power and the deliverance of the slave girl, you know, and so we see God at work, um, but we also see the headwinds in his life. And yet at the same time to those people who knew about his sacrifice and hardship, he said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I'm gonna say it again, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say it, rejoice. In, in other words, there is a kind of joy that transcends circumstance and transcends outcomes. And that's the kind of power that I'm inviting you to tap into and the kind of culture that I'm inviting you to live in. And so I wanna read um, the whole text for us, if you don't mind. Uh, and even if you do, I'm gonna read it anyway. Um, but it's an amazing chapter. And, and as we come through it, it takes us on all these twists and all these turns, but there's nothing better for us today than to hear God's word, I, I, amen? And so let's just pick it up, verse five, and this is what it says. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. Now, how about that for a message for today? <laughs> Don't be anxious for anything, um, but in everything, in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything, anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Now this is where it gets into the boiler point, the boilerplate, 
But there's some amazing truth here. Um, You know, I rejoice. I'm expressing joy. I'm in a Roman prison, by the way, while I'm writing this. And I'm rejoicing, and I'm saying to rejoice again. (laughs) And just to give some context here, he's within one week or at, at most two years of being executed for his faith. And, and, and so Paul is penning a letter and he's anywhere from one to 24 months away from execution for his faith. So have that in view today because if we roll in saying, well, you know, I would be more joyful, but here's my situation. Here's where I'm at in my life. I love that we're talking about joy, Pastor Sean, but here's our circumstances right now. I know we're supposed to be joyful, but you don't know my story. And Paul is gonna say, no, I don't know your story, but I know the root in my life of gratitude and the grace of God works even when you're in prison. It's working right here. Even if you don't see it, he's working, right? Even if you don't feel it, he's working. And, and within, this is within a year of losing his life for his faith. And so he says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity And uh, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. Amen. Anybody know? You don't need to raise your hand. (laughs) Anybody know how to be brought low? And I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret. Can you say secret? I have learned... The secret, there's a secret apparently, and it's, and it's, it's not so secret that God's not about to tell us, <laughs> but um, you know, so in a sense, the, the difference per, between pursuing happiness and then finding a joy, apparently there's a secret involved, and you can't just naturally maybe process this, but you have to have a revelation and assistance from God, and here he is giving it to us. He says, in any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need, no matter the situation, whatever comes my way. Do you, do you ever read the Bible like this? Sometimes I just like to read the Bible out loud and I like to kind of preach to myself while I'm reading it, and which just means you, know, you have to stop occasionally and go, you know, wow, that's amazing. I'm gonna read that again. It's like, the, you know, the, it's firing yourself up. I'm gonna read it again with a little more oomph and a little bit more emphasis in any, I mean, read this. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And here's a secret. He's going to give it to us now. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That's it. He's the root. I mean, come on. It's been the the whole series, right? That's him. Abide in me. Remain in me. I can do all things through him who gives me. That's the secret. And you, and you know, that's a, there's a, that's a very famous verse of scripture. Athletes, you know, have, have had it on their sportswear. It's, it's something that, you know, you're going to hear a lot, even in the sporting culture. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And it's, and it's a great promise. It's a great passage. It's, it's a great truth. But just to be clear, just to be clear this morning, this isn't coming from the power of positive thinking. That's, that's not what this is about. Something like that. It's coming out of the power of positive rooting. <laughs> rooting ourselves in a source that is bigger than us. And so it's not coming out of, oh, I'm just going to think positive thoughts and then I'm going to be more joyful. It's not it. 
It's coming from somebody saying, hey, I was in prison at midnight, beat up for my faith, and guess what? I still have joy coming out of me from a source that is beyond me. I still had joy. I still had what I need. You know why? You know why? Because God allows me to experience through Jesus, who is my root, the strength that I need no matter what is going on. That's it. I've, I've been hungry. I've been well-fed. I've, I've been in both cases. I've been in plenty and I've been in need. I've been up against it. Some of you are up against it right now, right? And I've been moving in power with the wind. I've been in all of those situations. I know what it's like to be shipwrecked on Malta. I know what it's like to build a fire and have the snake, the viper come out and attach itself to my arm. I know what it's like to be shut down and imprisoned and to be railroaded and to be carted off to Rome. I know what it's like to be under house arrest because I'm there right now. I know what it's like to go through the struggle. And even in the struggle, I'm telling you that there's a secret. And the secret is this. I can do anything through Jesus Christ who gives me strength. That's it. So the message today isn't, need, isn't that you need to get more strength. The message today is Jesus is enough strength. Amen. Yeah. I might need to say that again. <laughs> the message today isn't you need to get more strength. That's not it. So that, again, fruit, we don't, we don't try or do anything to grow fruit, right? The fruit comes because of the source, the root that gives it the nutrients that it needs, and the fruit grows from that. So the message today that Jesus is enough strength Amen. for you. Amen. So let's finish, picking up now in verse 14. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. Okay, so I've had some troubles, but I still have joy. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I, even when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from that E-word, the gifts that you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And now out of that context, another famous verse that we know, most of it, if you've been in the church world, if you've been in the scripture, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Jesus Christ. And so let's don't yank that verse out and kind of parachute it down um, into the moment where we're like, hey, God said that, you know, he will supply all my needs. Well, yeah, God said that he will meet all his needs because here's somebody that's already moved in generosity and support supporting the work and the kingdom and the expansion of God. So Paul said, Paul's saying, I've already leaned in. So guess what? I can be confident that God's going to supply all my needs. In the same way, I, I'm, I'm now watching and, and let, let, let me be the answer to someone else's prayer that of, of God supplying their needs. I'm available. Use me. And God will supply all my needs. There's, there's a cycle of generosity that Paul is unfolding for us, even that Dan was sharing about. And so my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. And then in my Bible, there's a header that says final greetings. And that's where we kind of all hit the eject button because, you know, why do we need to go there? It's just the final greetings. But oh my goodness, 
in the final greetings today, there's a moment where I will probably just absolutely lose my mind. <laughs> and this is what it says. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. If you're the kind that likes to underline in your Bible, I just underline that, uh, Caesar's, especially those in Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Thanks be to God for the power of his word. And we'll get to the, uh, why we underline that um, before we end today. But So what is necessary to maintain conditions suitable for growth. And this is, this is the landing pad for this whole series right now. Well, before we talk about uh, what a culture actually is, we can eliminate something that is not um, necessarily to maintain the culture sustainable or the conditions sustainable for growth. And the number one thing that we can eliminate today is ease. <laughs> ease is not necessary to maintain conditions suitable for the growth of joy because you know we're getting our entire exhortation to rejoice in the Lord always, and again rejoice, we're getting all of this out of circumstance and out of a situation which is absolutely anything but ease. That's not the story that Paul is living right now. And so now we know having a smooth path isn't necessary for this. Having victory even isn't necessary. Seeing things play out the way that we hoped isn't necessary. So what is a culture of joy then? And what is necessary in maintaining the conditions for this suitable growth that we're talking about? Number one, the culture of joy is a culture captivated by Jesus. In other words, if, if you're gonna be a joyful person, if your family is gonna be a joyful family, if, if a church is gonna be a, a joyful church, there's, there's gonna be a culture of joy. Indeed, you know, the people in that culture must be captivated by the, the person of who Jesus is. And that sounds so elementary. I mean, it's, we've been saying this over and over again every week, Pastor. I know. But there's a big difference between being captivated by Jesus as a person versus knowing him as the namesake of a religion that I'm involved in, right? Which I'm, you know, oh, I'm a Christian and therefore I know who Jesus is and I'm saved because of who Jesus is there. But there's a major difference uh, between that kind of awareness of him and uh, revelation of who he is, where you're captivated by who he is. Captivated by just who he is as a person. It, it, it's when you, 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 you don't just want what he has to offer, but you want him. <laughs> you want Jesus. And Paul said it this way in chapter three, verse 10. He says, I want to know him. I, that's, what, that's it. I want to know him. I want to know Jesus. I don't, I don't just want the four things that are going to help me have a better life, you know, and help fix my relationship or help me have a better business or whatever. Uh, I, I don't want just some benefits of Jesus falling over into the plans that I have for my, my life. I actually want him. I want Jesus. I, and I have moved from the place of simply, you know, just growing up in church or being around the faith or, or being around the scripture and hearing all the stories and knowing all the information to come into a place where I've had this transformation of life. For me, this happened around the year 1990. I was around 13 or 14 years old. I've, I've told the story many times where I finally, you know, just kind of came alive to this 
reality of uh, that every moment was an opportunity for this real um, breathing relationship with Jesus. Uh, before that, you know, I was the kid who grew up in church and um, I remember mom telling me not to slouch in church and she taught me about honoring people and all of that. And I, you know, I, I, I kind of sorted that out. I figured that out eventually. But then at, at this youth convention, it was like a camp, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a youth retreat experience for me um, in Minnesota. I got a fire lit inside of my belly. <laughs> and then I just wanted to wake up and seek Jesus. I, I, I lived for, you know, the, the weekend services where I could get together with other people that love God and worship and, you know, youth group and any opportunity to worship him, um, you know, either alone or, or with people. I joined the worship team. I started by playing the congas. That was my first instrument on the worship team and, and percussion instruments. And I would play them until my knuckles bled because I was so passionate about worshiping Jesus. And I would go to a before school worship and a devotional time with my peers through most of high school and I used my gifts to write songs about him. Uh, the pep band and the music teacher let me do a little Jesus concert right in the middle of their high school concert at the public high school. And you know, I was all about Jesus. And, and, I, and I ended my, my days with him. I would, I would go to my job cranking my, my Jesus music. <laughs> I cleaned buildings. I cleaned campgrounds. And I would pump my music. And as I cleaned the office buildings and the campgrounds as a custodian, everywhere I went, he went. And everything I did, we did. And it was all about going to sleep and saying, I love you, Jesus. And waking up and saying, I want to spend today doing what you have planned for me. That's it. And it's, it's a game-changing, life-shifting transformation when you come to want to know Jesus. Not just to say I'm a Christian. And some of us are missing joy because joy is Jesus and he's the root. Okay? Number two. The second thing about a culture of joy is a culture of joy is stunned by the gospel. In other words... Gospel blood is still flowing through your veins. And what I mean by it, it's as real today as it was the day you put your faith in him, right? It's, it's as stunning this Sunday as it was, you know, last Sunday and a hundred Sundays ago. It's like getting baptized and knowing how powerful his grace is and his goodness is. And your heart becomes gratified, and it's still remembering that maybe five years later that I was lost, but now I'm found. I was dead, but now I'm alive. And I have never, ever, ever gotten over this gospel miracle of what God did in my life. Remember, you know, uh, back in week two of this series, if you were here, we were walking through the stories of, you know, Jesus telling of the lost things. And we talked about the rejoicing that happened. The shepherd, he put the, the sheep on his shoulders and, and it went back. It said he rejoiced as he did that. And he went back to the rest of the sheep in the pen and his fellow shepherds. He said, hey, let's have a party. Rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep, right? That word again, rejoice, comes out of the root, this root of grace and gratitude, the kara. And so I'm grateful not only that I've received grace, but that I was able to go out and extend grace to the sheep. So grace extended now is bringing me joy and I want you to come and rejoice with me. It's just a big party. And so they rejoiced. But the sound of the rejoicing probably only scared or maybe annoyed the sheep, right? The sheep probably when they all started, you know, you know, started partying, 
went and ran over, you know, to the, towards their friends or their mom and said, man, I don't know what's happening over there, but it's kind of hurting my ears, you know. And, and, you know, the coin, when it was lost, you know, there was a party. The woman said, I found my coin. Come and rejoice with me. Let's create a culture of joy because the coin that was lost and now is found. But the coin couldn't hear, right, and, and never knew that there was a party. And, and so, but when the prodigal son, he heard that music start to play, when, when his dad said, he said like, like, let the band start. Come on, let's get the beat going. <laughs> the son knew that that song was for him. That song was for him. He knew that this party was his party. And, and I wonder what it would look like if we walked, all walked into the greatest assembly saying, this is my party. This is my party. Oh, my father is gonna get all the glory, the sacrificial lamb of Jesus that made it possible. He's gonna get all the praise and the honor. But this is my party. And, and, and instead of, oh, you know, I grew up as a Christian and I put my faith in Jesus at a summer camp or a youth retreat somewhere back there, you know, back in the 1900s. <laughs> Doesn't the 1900s sound like so far off? <laughs> instead of walking in the door today going, you know what? Gospel blood is still flowing through my veins. Today, I'm excited about the cross as I ever was and I'm grateful to God for what he did in my life. And I am as grateful on this day as I was on that day because when the music starts playing in this house today, I know that the party is for me. This is my song. This is my party. This dance that we're gonna have right now, this is for me. I was the one who was lost, but now I'm found. I'm the one who is dead and now is alive, and I'm gonna celebrate again today as if it were the very first day because I hear the music playing, and the music is playing for me. And what some of us have forgotten, I can just sort of tell, <laughs> is that the music is playing for you. A lot of us have got some blockage going on there in the vein. So third thing, a culture of joy is all in for the mission. And we see this in Paul's life and in this letter. And in other words, Paul had arrived at a place where his mission overrode his condition. He was so convinced of what God had set in motion to do, that the circumstantial things that were happening in his life around him that were nothing more than annoyances <laughs> than they were deterrence to his joy. Because the joy was rooted in an unchanging situation, namely the grace of God found in Jesus. And here he is at the end of the day and all he's thinking about is, man, I wanna populate heaven. And if you wanna see a joyous church, Get some people like that in your church, right? <laughs> Man, we've got them. I, I tell you what, uh, I, I'm in a few, you know, group texts, but you get some, some people that who are excited about Jesus loving the community on a group, group chat, <laughs> you know, that'll fire you up. If you want to have a joyous family, get some people like that in your family, Right? Um, if the crew that you're running with right now is not a real joyous crew, we talked about this last week, you know, you've, you've got nobody in your crew who's got a heart beating saying, all I care about is more people being in heaven. Let's get on with it. Let's move on with it. Paul was convinced. He was arrested and taken before the Sanhedrin 
in Jerusalem, and, and this time they planned to kill him. But he appealed as a Roman citizen to Caesar, and they're like, whoa, you know, who knew? You're a Roman citizen? And, and he's been cruising around as one of the Pharisees, and then he became a follower of Jesus, and now you're a builder of the church, but we didn't know that. You actually had these Roman credentials. <laughs> and when they found out, they're like, hands off, this, guy, this guy's got to go to Rome. And so he started a long journey to appeal to Caesar. And at the end of a few of those encounters, before he set sail to Italy, he said, I want to go to Caesar. And then they said, you know what? You're going to go to Caesar. <laughs> and, and from that moment, I believe that Paul knew as a Roman citizen that the epicenter of the known world was in Rome, that they had already built this road system and this transportation system that went into all of the world. And they were the, they were the power of the moment. And he said, I gotta take the story of Jesus there. And so he boards the ship and he starts this journey and eventually he made it to Rome. And now he is in Rome, he's arrived at the destination. He's at the epicenter of the known world, he, but he's also under house arrest. And he's, he's happy because the mission now is being accomplished. And as we read earlier, he ends his letter in his final greetings. He says, especially those of Caesar's household. He says, I greet you. In other words, he's saying, I can't name names right now. I can't, you know, in this letter because it'll cost people their lives before the end of the day today. But I just want you to know that the people who are serving in Nero's court in Nero's house, the worst of the worst. You know, this is the guy who played the fiddle while Rome was on fire. It's that guy. Was tor he torched Christians for entertainment, that Nero. The, the gospel now has made its way into the city and maybe his cook, you know, has come to know the Lord. His cupbearer has come to believe in Jesus. Maybe his number one guard is now filled with the Holy Spirit. And, you know, so people in Nero's own household are coming to faith in Jesus. And Paul is sending a message back to Philippi saying, hey, the mission overrides any condition. And I have made it to the epicenter of this known world, to the most powerful man on earth. And people in his house are coming to know Jesus. Anybody can be changed by the gospel. And that most likely means that Nero himself, before he took his life, had a chance to hear the gospel of grace. And I'm just wondering, is that us? As we wrap up this time in this series, is that us? Is that you? Are you on a mission? Are you being shot out like an arrow? Remember our series in Acts, a flaming arrow? Love that picture. Do you have something that's so all-consuming in your heart that you're like, the conditions aren't great, but man, the mission is. <laughs> it just seems like it overrides everything else. I'm not minimizing the difficulty. I'm not saying that you know, what you're going through isn't hard. <laughs> Paul's just saying that the mission is greater than my condition. And this source that I'm rooted to gives me strength. It even gives me joy. In the middle of all of this, a culture of joy is confident in every season. In other words, the glimpse that you've seen of the Savior gives you peace about all the things that you don't know about the story. Joy is not contingent on God telling you all the details of the plan. Because hello, he's not gonna do that. <laughs> 
You're like, well, why wouldn't he? If he's good and if he's a loving God, it's because he's a good and loving God that he doesn't tell you all the details of the story. <laughs> he just says, it's enough. To, I'm enough. I'm enough. Trust me. I'm a firm foundation. Trust that. I am a rock that you can stand on. I gave my life for you. Trust me. I poured it all out for you. Trust me. I came on a rescue mission from heaven to earth for you. You can trust me. I've been faithful from the beginning to the end. You can trust. I will supply all your needs according to my riches and glory. You can trust me. You can do all things through me who gives you strength. That's the secret. But I'm not telling you all the deets. <laughs> I'm not telling you the when, I'm not telling you the how, I'm not telling you about how long, I'm not telling you any of that. You know why? Because that's gonna distract you from doing the one thing that I've asked you to do today. If I tell you about next month, you're gonna get, get busy on working and changing things about the next month when I just need you to say yes to me today. Remain with me, abide with me, follow me. And so Paul said, if I constantly have that attitude, Lord, you know what the situations are, you know what the needs are, I'm gonna come to you with my prayers and my requests and, the, and with thanksgiving, I'm gonna make all that known to you. And this is what he said, and when you do that, the peace of God is coming, it's gonna guard your heart and your mind. The picture there is they're gonna stand uh, on each side, one on the other, and they're gonna go back and forth through the day and the night, guarding your emotions, guarding your thoughts in Jesus' name. Why? Because you've already offloaded what you're concerned about to God. And then lastly, lastly, a culture of joy is a culture of praise. In other words, joy, please catch this, joy must be activated <laughs> in worship to cultivate kingdom joy, kingdom culture. To say it another way, you can't just say, you know, I feel grateful and deep down inside, you know, I really, I really am grateful. I uh, truly down in my innermost private self, you might not be able to see it, um, but I'm really blown away by the goodness of, of God. And never do what the psalmist said when he said, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. I mean, just, just, just read in Psalms for all. Just, just, just stay in. So the waves are doing it. The mountains are doing it. The fields of the trees, uh, uh, the forest are clapping their hands. The stars are exploding for His glory right now. They spin and they sing. The Scripture says, and they shine through the cosmos. The leaves and the branches, they rustle with anthems of his praise and the lightning bolt and the thunder. We, we saw that this week, right? They reverberate with the greatness of the glory and the power of God. Even the snowflake, flake by flake, they pitters and patters in the mercy of God. All creation sings. The birds making their melody. The beasts of the field are roaring in response to who he is. Every wave that's crashing on the beach today, one after the other, after the other, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. They're exclaiming and they just say the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and he's the end. And the whole world sings a song of praise to the almighty God because he told them to do so. And he said, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Grace rooted in Jesus cannot help but be expressed in worship and in praise to him. So if there's not an expression of joy and joyfulness, then we have to go back and ask the question, where's my root? 
And am I in it? Because I've been looking for the fruit of happiness. I've been looking for you know, happiness in my life. And I think happiness is amazing. It's awesome. And it's to be celebrated. And we celebrate it today, but one phone call and one decision, right? Those happiness can go away, bam, bam, bam. I can't get them all, they're, they're, fle- they're fleeting. <laughs> happiness is fragile. But the root, the root that we can stand on, he's the vine, he's the source. He's my strength. He fills me up. I've got a river of joy flowing out of me. A source that is never gonna end. He's my source. That's it. The root of Jesus is eternal. And out of it flows grace that works itself out in gratitude in my life. And at the end of of the day, there's a life that says, I cannot be silenced. I'm just gonna praise. Come on, church. Why don't we just do that right now? Isn't he good? (laughs) Some praise right now. Just tell him that he's good. You're good, God, and great and a trustworthy God. We love you so much. We love you, Jesus. And we praise you. And we've been searching for happiness, but thank you, God, that you lead us to joy that is in you. You are the source. Why don't you stand with me just as we close this morning? Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. God, there's a a lot. You've given us a thousand ways that we can celebrate, that we can praise you, a million different ways that we can give our praise to you. You are so, 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 so good. Lord, I pray that you would create right here in destiny as a church, Lord, and individually a culture of joy. Let us set the atmosphere for a culture of joy. Lord, I pray, Lord, that when people walk in, even this physical space, Lord, that we, your church, your sons and daughters would be carriers of your glory and there would be just a sense of joy that would erupt in those that walk through the doors. Lord, I pray that when we go out these doors that we would take that joy with us and when people walk into our, our little cold, our cul-de-sac where we're at in the neighborhood, when people walk into the, the space where we're at, we're just carriers. We exude, we spill out from that overflow, that river of joy that comes from a source that is not us. You are our strength. I can do all things through you who strengthens me. That's the secret. Lord, let us root down. We, we, we're so uh, easily tied to our, ourself. That's another root. That's another thing, but it's, that, that's fleeting. It doesn't last. Let our root, let our foundation be firm in you. You are our source. You are our joy. You are our love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, all of it. Thank you, Lord. Lord, do that in us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We, we, we're not the one that, that, that springs out the fruit. It's the, the, the river that runs through us, that, that vein, that root. So we root down. With all the saints praying this morning, um, I wanna give you an opportunity if you're here before we leave to say yes to Jesus. So with nobody looking around, every head bowed and every eye closed, this is just a decision between you and God, just to follow Jesus, just to say yes to him. And, and you know, this, this culture of joy, I, you know, maybe you're thinking, man, I need some of that in my life. Well, you know, he is the one, he is the source that'll be a firm foundation through any condition, through any storm, through any rough season, 
Let him be your source. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's who he is. He, he came to be your rescue. And if Holy Spirit maybe is nudging, you feel like a nudge to say yes to following him today, I believe Holy Spirit does that. He, he draws you to him. He draws um, people to him because he's full of grace and he's full of love and he wants the best for you. Um, he, he wants to be your source. And we can try so hard to do it on our own. If that's you today, again, with nobody looking around, would you please just raise your hand? We want to pray with you. Amen. I see the hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Even a re-surrender today. If you're online, you're watching, um, we'll have a place for you to connect to. But let's all pray this together. Father God, I love you. Thank you for your grace that is never ending. You are my source. You are my root. You are my joy. And I give my life to you today. I wanna follow you wherever you lead. In your mighty name we pray, amen.